888-529-9000. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's time for the Plank Show with Josh Helmer and Sooner sideline reporter Chris Plank. I don't know who all I'm waking up in the rooms around me. I apologize. What is what is Natalie Davis always tweet uh, our, our, our post on Facebook, Josh? You know, the legendary Nat Davis events management for the University of Oklahoma. She says, wake up Sooners. It's game day. Well, let's see. It is 7.04 a.m. here at the, uh, I don't even know, one of the, the Western resorts here in Palm Springs. So it's time to wake up Sooners. It's game day. That's and right. That game, and that game day isn't until like 7 p.m. tonight. So come Tough on, stuff. everybody. Get up. <laughs> we, got a sp- we got a trio, trio of hot takers for you today. First, say good morning to the man that will be on the call of a doubleheader tomorrow for OU Baseball. And it sounds like he's enjoying the day with our crew, Justin Yahola and our great friends out at Riverwind Casino. Good morning, Josh Helmer. What's going on? Ah, good morning, Mr. Plank. It's great to hear your voice this morning. And, uh, yes, as you could tell, the the lovely Nat sounds from one Riverwind Casino. How uh, how was the trip, man? It was okay. It was okay. Um, you know, I am – I don't mind the, the travel. I, I never – I love traveling. In fact, I was talking with my girls last night. Uh, we were FaceTiming. And they're like, Dad, you really seem to enjoy yourself when you're on the road. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm away from you guys fighting all the time. <laughs> Don't it's beautiful. Say that. <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, I, I miss my babies. But, Josh, it's World War III constantly inside that house, and it's over the stupidest stuff. But I, uh, my point is non, you know, shot to my, my, my beautiful, lovely daughters. I love to travel. I do. I hate turbulence. Like, literally, if they could find a way, two things that I'm going to work on when I win the lottery, people, getting rid of transcription, finding a way to make it where you just transcribing automatically happens, and number two is turbulence. So uh, v- vote for me for the lottery winner, and I'll take care of it because, dude, I don't know I don't know the last time you took a flight over the, uh, the desert or the mountains, but the, uh, the air, the wind, the wind is angry. I don't know what's going on. But it was and, – and here's the other thing. As Steely Dan jams in the background, Josh, the flight from Las Vegas to Palm Springs is one of the shortest flights I've ever been on. It, it reminds you – I don't know if anyone ever took it, but there used to be some carriers would have a flight from Tulsa to Oklahoma City. <laughs> and one time I left Tulsa to go somewhere, and we flew from Tulsa to Oklahoma City. It literally felt like you got on the plane, you buckled up, and you were off it. That was that was like the flight from Vegas to Palm Springs. But I'll tell you this much: I will not forget it ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it was it was one of those where I'm like, well, they how made these wings. How these wings stayed on this plane right now? But I mean, <laughs> but we're here. All is good. Life is good, and we got games tonight. And of course, the third member, member of our crew might end up being the busiest. Tonight and this weekend, Connor Pasby is in the house, the anchor of our high school sports coverage at KRFSports.tv. Good morning, Connor. How are you? Good morning, boys. Yep, you're right, Plank. We got action again tonight for high school basketball, uh, boys and girls regionals tonight. So, yeah, should be a lot of fun on our end. Are my, has anyone looked to see if my Washington Warriors are still alive? I need to double check. I, 
here's the problem. All the all the people that play basketball in my circle are still, you know, my daughter's age, and they're my young. So I, I haven't been able to dive into basketball like I do football. But we'll see if the Warriors can't make a run, baby. But you've got, what, Norman, North, and uh, all of our great uh, entities that are going to be in action this weekend, right, Connor? Yeah, we got Josh at UConn. UConn girls, we talked about it yesterday, but they're hosting a regional for the first time in 30 years. Oh, that's awesome. And then we'll have uh, the Norman Regional, I believe Deer Creek as well, Edmund North. So that's a few of the ones that uh, we got tonight. Nice. So let me get – so what's your schedule then, Josh? You've got UConn Miller girls basketball tonight and then OU baseball doubleheader on Saturday. Do you get your day of rest on Sunday, or is there more high school hoops action? Yes, Sunday will be a well-earned day of rest. And uh, don't forget the give-me zone oh, on right. Saturday morning. That's right. Cannot forget the give-me zone. By the way, we say that because my man Arnie Spanier on Sunday nights cannot say give gimme. He calls it give me. And then whenever we make fun of him, everyone's like, well, technically, you know, I guess that's not right. So I'm like, or that's not wrong. So I'm like, let's go. Give me something. Uh, we have a lot to get to. First, Josh, give me a refresher. What I missed yesterday, what were the big topics of the day? What did you guys dive into on a plankless Thursday when I truly was during the show? We were on, we were in the air. And then when I landed at the Vegas airport, I think I texted you to what was it right at the start of the final hour? Yeah, finally got to listen. You, you, you made it. Uh, the college football playoff. We get five plus seven, and it took all of one day, Plank. All of one day before, well, might be 14, 16 right. could be on the table. I mean, it took one day for, uh, for the college football playoff to start thinking discussing expansion so i just think this thing is clearly going to grow from 12 to 14 or 16 in 2026 and uh, i think it's going to keep growing beyond that i i worry about that a little bit for college football purists but it just feels like that's the direction we're headed yeah and it, it was interesting because i i found myself in in a very unique position where I thought I thought Josh that it was inevitable, right? We had the Heather Dinich interview that I did from Saturday, where she said, "Hey, it's only Tony Petiti that seems to be really talking about um, what what's the best way to put this. It's only Tony Petiti that's talking about what an expanded playoff might look like." And then I guess once we got in that room and everyone started getting together, Josh to talk. It seemed as though there were many, many more than just one <laughs> commissioner or one uh, entity, one person who felt like expansion was necessary. Now, here's my question. Is, is it expansion in the name of access or is it expansion yes. in the name of getting the best teams? Because I feel like it's, it's – it's not necessarily – well, what's the best way to put this? Broadening the horizon, right? It's not expansion. It's saying, oh, we got to we gotta make sure that we include the MAC and all these other schools. This, to me, is expansion as far as getting more of those Power 5 teams, or in this instance, Power 2 teams in, right? Well, I think it's for the Big 12 and the ACC. Oh, okay. I think they looked at it and said – it's funny. I really missed you yesterday because we, we – what opened uh, Wednesday or at some point Wednesday we're talking about, well, 
sounds like maybe the Big Ten or the SEC could ask for multiple automatic qualifiers. And I said, two? Are you kidding me? They got to be slamming their fist on the table saying, we want three, we want four. And again, it took all of one day for that to be uh, what happened here. So if, you know, you look at the the situation as currently constructed, if and when the Big Ten and the SEC are told, yes, you can have four automatic qualifiers, that's that's two-thirds of the 12-team field right there. Even if it's yeah. six, that's half of the 12-team fields, and probably you're still getting in at large or two if uh, they don't automatically qualify. So I think the Big 12, the ACC, looked at it and said, okay, well, we, we need to expand this thing a little bit so we can give ourselves a better opportunity to maybe get multiple teams in on uh, a given year. So my my biggest hope in all of this, these uh, this Big 12, this Big 10 SEC conglomerate, and I don't disagree with you, Josh. I think you're right. I, I, I think you might be 100% right. The Big 12, ACC, and others said, listen, guys, we're going to have to get more teams in here if we want more access. Right? This can't be about just the Big the Big Ten and the SEC, and we truly can sit there and watch them go off and do their own thing. And, sure, we're going to have a playoff that will make some money, but it's not going to make the kind of money we'll make with the Big Ten and the SEC. In, in all of this, as we welcome you into a plank show, college football, I guess, start to the program because there is so much going on that I, I hope you realize you don't necessarily – we're going to have your back in covering it, but it's worth needing to pay attention to. As soon as you left the air, I felt like the one thing – that I'd hoped that the Big Ten SEC Sankey Petiti would work on, it seemed as if we're making steps towards improving it, and that is the calendar. And so many times, so many times I've said, I don't know what the fix is for the calendar, Josh. I don't know what you do, but something has to go. Something has to change. And there are several different reports out there. Nicole Arbach is saying that uh, her sources are telling her that the college football early signing period is expected to move earlier in December. In fact, it would be ahead of the opening of the transfer portal, and it would be the Wednesday before conference title games. The SEC is pushing to change December to a debt period for recruiting. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe now we're getting somewhere because, you know, you can feel – you can feel how you want, Josh. You can feel how you want about, you know, hey, just get over it. You're, you're paid a lot of money. Gut up. Toughen up. Go out and take care of all. You shouldn't have your free agency and essentially your draft going on in the middle of your playoffs. You just shouldn't. Uh, and, and I still don't even know if doing it on the Wednesday before the conference title games is the best spot, but – According to Ross Dellinger, through Greg Sankey, in a concept that the SEC is sharing with other conferences, the entire month of December would be a dead period for recruiting, and the early national Saturday, uh, the early national signing day would move up about two weeks to the early portion of the month. Do, I think I like it. Do you like? And, and when we say dead period, you know that means you can't contact anyone. That means you can't – what do you think? Where do you stand on that? Because to me, I think it's I think it's a right step. I think it's a good step in the right direction. Now, if it's a dead period, what do we do about those portal windows? Because they're still going to open at the same time, right? Yeah, that's uh, 
interesting. I mean, dead period in the sense just for high school recruiting. The proposal implements a new dead period over the first 17 days of December, a month that is already dead in its final two weeks. In the plan, the early signing period will move to the early part of December, the Wednesday before conference title games. But it doesn't seem to address, Josh, the portal changing when it's open. This this falls for college, uh, for recruits only. The transfer portal, though, should also be moved, Sankey said. The fall portal window begins soon after the end of the regular season. There are suggestions that the portal window in the fall be eliminated, leaving only the spring window open. Okay. What, what do you think about that? That's I think coaches. I think coaches will push back against it because if your only window is in the spring and you don't have spring ball with these guys coming in, then they're behind the eight ball. They're behind the curve. They've and especially since most of these portals admissions are. Okay, well, here's another part of this. Let me, let me hit pause on that take for just a second, Josh. As we welcome you to the Plank Show, we're coming in hot. Josh is at Riverwind. I'm in Palm Springs with the OU softball team. But there's a, a ton of news as far as the future of the playoffs in college football and, and recruiting and the transfer portal windows are concerned. You got guys, when you're a graduate transfer, that can just throw your name in the portal at any time, right? I mean, we just saw the – now, the Michigan kid, I think, was still in the 30 days from the Sharon Moore uh, hiring. But I think we saw, what, an offensive lineman that jumped in the portal out of the American Athletic Conference. You know, you've seen some guys that still as grad transfers, they can go whenever they want. Do you need to adjust that too? Will they still be able to jump in the portal and sign somewhere in fall? I mean, because that, that, that seems to me to be, if you're looking at changing portal windows, then do you also have to say, hey, this isn't just, you know, those who are looking to transfer and have two or three years of eligibility left. This is everybody there is one portal window it's after the spring and that's when you can make your moves see i don't mind that i just think i i would love that i just think coaches will push back against that hard it, it gives you less opportunities to retool things too right. the multiple windows right now is not all bad because you know for a place like oklahoma where you're going to be an attractive destination you find out okay here's what we we have in the way of folks opting to go to the nfl draft here's what we have in the way of folks transferring out these are our initial needs so then you can address those and then you get through a spring and things change a little bit and uh you know you have some final shuffling out and maybe you you add some final pieces as well i i don't have a strong feeling that the current transfer portal windows are all that bad well if your hope if your hope is to make December about the games, then it is. Now, I will say, Josh, I haven't quite seen the national media, unless it's a Caleb Williams in the portal or, or, or something of that nature. I mean, you go back now, and I, I don't know what the goal is here as far as coverage or talk is concerned or maybe just, you know, those who will be all over it outside of the college sports world. But in our world, yeah, we talked a lot whenever, you know, Jaden Daniels transferred or when a Bo Nix did, but it's not like it led Sports Center, <laughs> So I don't really know how much of an issue it is for something like this taking away talk or coverage. For instance, the NFL, 
tries to keep teams from making moves or hiring coaches during the week of the Super Bowl. They want that focus to be on the Super Bowl, right? They, it's, I don't think there is a rule, but there's like a gentleman's agreement. So I wonder if in part, Josh, that's part of the reason why, hey, coaches already have a lot going on. Then maybe we just do away with this window in general so that way the focus can be on the game. It sucks if you're not in those games. <laughs> but it, it, it would very – it would be very interesting to see how many people would push back against that. If they're like, we're only going to have one window and it's going to be in the spring, and our goal in December is to make it a dead period. So, well, how about this? I mean, I'm sure everyone, I'm, I bet, you know, everyone who is anyone has had a take on the Adam Schefter report that, again, you know, it's, it's something that here on The Ref has been talked about a lot. Maybe for Greg Sankey, who's bringing this up, it's also a gift for those who say it's just hard. It's too hard to coach in college anymore. You don't get any downtime. Well, guess what? Here's your December. It's going to be a dead period. If you got games, you're coaching in the games. If you uh, got recruits, guess what? Nobody's contacting any recruits. And we're going to work on making it where that portal doesn't open until the spring so that way you're not having to scratch and fight and claw there. Your season just got over. You're hurt. Take some time. Get away from it, right? You're in the playoffs. Guess what? You get to focus on the playoffs. You're not having to worry about ten thousand other things. I, I mean, it, that's just vamping. Sure, but maybe Be- maybe that's part of this too. Because we saw what uh, there was the one situation with Malik Murphy at Texas. Oh, he had to go. He had to go, and he missed the playoffs. Right now, thankfully Texas didn't end up needing him. But imagine if they would have. Imagine if they would have, and there he is fighting to find a spot in the portal. Unbelievable. Uh, these are – now, I don't know. Did you guys – had the Sankey stuff in the, in the dead period? I feel like that broke sometime later in the evening last night. I don't, I don't know if that was something that we were able we to talk about. We didn't discuss it. Okay, okay. Yesterday at all on the shows. But it's, um, it's fascinating, right? And, again, I think just in, in resetting, I think December being a dead period would be – and when they say December, it would be the – a majority of the month, right, if I'm reading all this right. You know, part of December is a dead period. Sankey's proposal is we're making a whole month. And signing day would be that Wednesday. The early signing day would be that Wednesday before the conference championship games. And December would be about college football. But I I just, I don't think, I don't think the one portal session, Josh, is going to work. Do you? I don't know. Yeah, it. No, probably not. It feels like it wouldn't. All right. We're off to a roaring start here on a Friday. Listen, when we come back, we've got uh, we've got college softball and college baseball to talk about. I'm with the OU softball team. Josh is getting ready to call OU baseball. We'll tell you what we've learned and what we've got coming up next. If you have some thoughts on that calendar, I know, listen, it is – it can be tedious talk. I'm the first one to admit to it. I, I don't. It's like whenever I nerd out about TV ratings, right? It can be tedious talk. But to me, it's fascinating because I think it truly affects the future of college sports and college football specifically. And if we're fighting a battle to keep good coaches happy and to keep them in the game, maybe this is one of those steps in the right direction. Speaking of in the game, I don't care if you're in the game, too. We'll talk about it coming up. Josh, let the people know what's going on out at Riverwind. Oh, baby, hanging out at Riverwind Casino, just uh, off to the side of Chips and Ales, where 
the Jake's Birthday Bash coming up on March 7th. They've got Scotty McCreary out here tonight. It's sold out. Jay Leno sold out. But uh, Jim Gaffigan, the uh, back half of the month of March on March 23rd, that's a great show. And then uh, Beats and Bites returns not too far away. You know, crazy to say, but May 25th, (laughs) Chris Jansen and Easton Corbin not too far away. And the uh, Beats and Bites Festival has been awesome over the uh, eight years here at Riverwind Casino. Stick around. We're talking a little Diamond Sports next right here on The Ref. Join the movement. The Ref Army is growing. Don't miss a second of the Sooner coverage you want with the KREF app. All right, it's the uh, Plank Show on the road. Split squad today. Josh is out. At Riverwind, I-35, Highway 9. Connor Pasby is in our Buffalo Wild Wings studios getting ready for a busy day, busy weekend of high school sports action. Uh, Josh, listen, I got tons of notes to get to for softball, but I want to start with you. Wright State coming in, we, do we know much about them yet? Are they, are they bringing some heat, or should we see the Sooners walk away with four wins this weekend? I hope that's how it's going to play out. You know, they hung right in with uh, Louisiana last weekend took one uh so so one and two coming in but uh lost a one-run ball game and uh, a two-run ball game so they were sort of right there last week uh but uh, still digging still finding out a little bit about them me i'm kind of the same way last night i uh last night i was watching mississippi state and notre dame whenever we got here uh mississippi state kind of a just a gutty, gritty team. Now, I, I, I don't truly know how good they are, if that makes any sense, right? They they have a couple good wins. They they beat Clemson. They, they beat Clemson and uh, and Cagle. They uh, they beat Notre Dame here. They probably, if, if you think about it, had one of the more successful stints in the Port of Ayarta Challenge where they beat Clemson and they beat Utah. Heck, they run-ruled Utah, but – you know, now uh, it's it's so early in the season, Josh, that you're kind of wondering, okay, who, who is really good? You know, uh, th- there's been a big debate about Oklahoma State. Hey, is, is Oklahoma State really good? Well, OSU probably has had two of the most impressive early season wins in going to Florida and beating the Gators in a bit of an unexpected game, right? They, they scheduled that game in Gainesville whenever everything got canceled on that Sunday from the St. Pete Clearwater Classic. But let, let's shift back, and I tell you, hey, man, Mississippi State, that might be a really good team. They've got to win over Utah and Clemson. Well, Josh, Utah's 5-4 and four now. You know, and, and and Utah's marquee win, you know, it, it might it might be a dub over, over Notre Dame, you know. And, and then you think about it from a Clemson perspective, sure, they got Valerie Cagle and – and she's back and she's good, but they've, they've also had a couple of games so far this year where you're like, okay, just how good is this Clemson team going to be? You know, they're, they're where is their overall record? Yeah, they're 7-2 and two right now, and they, you know, their biggest win this year was a, what, a one-run win over Oregon who might not be very good. They lost to Missouri. They lost uh, Mississippi State. So I, maybe that's a little bit too in the weeds, but I will say you know, this is going to be a good Mississippi State team. But then they had a loss to UC San Diego. That just makes no sense. So I'm, uh, I'm fascinated in that being the early game. Who is um, 
I heard – I was listening to Toby's show. I listened most of the day on Wednesday after the Dallas Baptist game. And as soon as everyone started to wake up and they were mad about the Tuesday night game, there was – there were those that were like, oh, what's going on at shortstop? What's going on with Willits at shortstop? I know he had a couple of defensive issues on Tuesday night, but I like that kid, Josh. I know they've got a little depth there, but he's a true freshman. I'm not ready to panic at all positionally shifting to a maybe a storyline this weekend for baseball. Uh, and, and that is, you know, just, hey, nothing is set. But I'm not, I'm not panicking over the shortstop position. Is there any area that you look at and you're like, eh, this, this needs to get a little better right now? Well, I would tell you that uh, OU really, really likes Jackson Willits. And, oh, by the way, I know I this too. is offense and not defense, but uh, he did have the walk-off winner versus uh, Nebraska. So <laughs> there's right. that for anybody uh, that, that's panicking. I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously, one too many runs, and uh, midweek wasn't super clean on Tuesday. But uh, overall, offensively, maybe looking for a little bit more. But I think the pitching has been uh, largely very positive, at least from a weekend standpoint. Very positive. Um, is there is there is our rotation set, Josh? You think? I think that uh, you feel pretty good, right, about Davis, Girton, and uh, Stevens right now. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, we'll get a bit of a surprise maybe for that. Or will we get a surprise, you think, for that fourth game this weekend? Well, uh, that's going to be interesting, right? I, 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 yeah, uh-huh. I don't know who's going to get the start there. You know, um, Malachi Witherspoon was somebody that – there was the indication could be used maybe as a starting arm, and maybe maybe this weekend we get a look at that. I uh, I don't know what OU is going to do pitching wise. You've got six different arms, and all have been successful. Uh, I would imagine Nicole May has pitched against Mississippi State a lot. You know, last year, remember we went there, and I mean that won every game handily, but Mississippi State hit Jordy hard last year it might have been one of those games to where when you came away it was all right what's going on here and oh he still won the game because they put nine runs up in the second inning and didn't score again but I would imagine it would be Maxwell and May today and then it's only one game tomorrow this is dude Josh when we come to the Marion Utter it's usually two games on Friday two games on Saturday and then a game on Sunday and you get out of town uh, I think one year we played one on Saturday, but this is different, man. This is unique to play the one, the the, the two games on Sunday, at least from my memory. And remember, remember, last year was when Oklahoma came here and put one Baseball. on UCLA. I mean, they beat the snot out of them and kind of sent the message that hey, we are we're we're still the team to beat. I wonder. You're not going to beat any of these teams where everyone else in the country, unless you beat them all 14-0, to zero, right? But, you know, if anything, if you play a game tight this week and it suddenly becomes what's going on with Oklahoma. But am I, am I maybe being a little bit too that guy if I step back and say, I'm ready to see this team send a message? Because through two weeks in, they, the Washington game was a big win, right? But what are people saying? Oh, they got a break with a call at home play, right? Sure. Um the, the McNeese State game, you even brought it up whenever I was talking to you the other day that the three-zip win had some people freaking out, and I guess I guess I understand that. 
But to me, I would like to see this team just send a message this weekend to say, all right, we're not playing in the St. Pete, so we're not on ESPN. Uh, we've won of our, what are they, nine games so far this year. They've only won, what, five of them by run rule, so automatically everyone's like, what's going on? But I just I, – I, I want this team to go out and send a message this weekend, Josh. I want them to remind everyone – that, hey, we don't need to be our best in February, but guess what? This is how good we can be whenever it all clicks. I think that Coach Patty Gasso, based on uh, our conversation the other day right here on the ref, is ready for the offense to at least go out and, and send a message, right, and for this team to do things uh, that look like the Oklahoma standard. And she mentioned, look, uh, we're not going to put up with not running hard to first base. So there's a number of things that – yeah, it's time to probably click for Oklahoma. You feel great because guess what? You've won, what, 62 in a row, and you're 9-0 right. and to start the season, and Duke and Washington uh, obviously were both pretty nice wins, and yet uh, you've left some meat on the bone, and, and maybe this is the weekend. Maybe we start tonight, right, where they really heat up the, the bats. Okay. When we come back, let's hit the text line. Oh, I, I guess Skip was on with Toby, Josh, before we break. Davis... Girton, Witherspoon, and Hit, the four starters yeah. for this weekend. You like that? I like it. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was about to jump in and tell you that uh, via the game notes, that's what it looked like. So, uh, Kyson uh, Witherspoon obviously was awesome down in, in Arlington. So, And you've got Davis, Girton, and Jamie Hit that I think you feel good about with those starting arms. And then, obviously, Stevens uh, the other day in the midweek. So, they've got arms upon arms upon arms, I think. All right, we'll get a quick break. Josh is at Riverwind when we come back. A couple of texts we want to hit, plus Connor's got the full high school schedule coming up right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Blank Show, we are back right here, hour number one on a Friday. Josh Elmer alongside Chris Plank hanging out with you at Riverwind Casino just off to the side of the wonderful Chips in Ales. Beats and Bites Festival, it's uh, not too far away. May 25th, Chris Jansen and Easton Corbin out here. And then, of course, uh, the Showplace Theater, it's always popping. Jim Gaffigan will be here March 23rd. That'll be a 5 o'clock show. Ryan Bingham, Kip Moore in April, and then you move on to May where Chelsea Handler, Brantley Gilbert, and others will be here at the Riverwind Showplace Theater. Take our first look to the text line. Folks, a very Slow quick start. to uh, – Slow start. Yeah, they were all over me for not knowing the uh, rotation this week, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I missed well, that, okay? Yours truly, too. I mixed up uh, Jamie Hitt and Stevens. But, hey, that, that's great. That just means we got people that uh, are dialed in. The uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. A selling point could be made. This is from Nick. A selling point could be made making this model a two-year trial period of the new rules. Talking about moving the, well, having the dead period in December, moving the signing day up, and then eliminating what has been that initial transfer portal window yeah in other words in other words you're not saying this is it this is how it's going to be get used to it get over it hey 
let's try this for two years and see how it works. Maybe you say try it for three years, four years. I, I don't know what the, the rule is. I don't know what the research says, Josh, in how long you need to do something in order for it to become a, a I don't know, not necessarily. I know the habit. What's it like, a 1,000 hours or something like that, two weeks? But the, the whole idea that, oh, in two years you're going to be fine, I, I think it would still take a little bit of adjustment. But I love, I love the point that he's making. Hey, maybe – Maybe it's a situation where you float it as a trial balloon, and if it works, it's great. I, it, it's interesting. As I get a little bit older, there's a part of me that thinks some ownership or some leadership of the NCAA has been pretty dumb, and they become empowered, and they forget what their, what their rule and, and kind of goal is, and that is to implement rules for the good of the game, for the good of sports, but sometimes I also think, man, people, they really don't understand the job of the NCAA. And they, like yesterday, oh, you're really showing them by telling them they can't, they can't dress up hotel rooms or take pictures. Well, you know, is that something in our world, Josh, that is not that big of a deal? Because budgetarily, Oklahoma football is fine. You bet. But I'm willing to bet there were hundreds of non-elite schools that were like, we, this is unfair. We can't do this. So who do you listen to, right? And I kind of feel like in this instance when we're talking about changing an entire schedule, I wonder whose voice needs to be heard or whose voice is going to be loudest in, hey, this is how it should be or this is how it shouldn't be. And the, the feeling I get is it's going to be the SEC and Greg Sankey and the Big Ten and Tony Petiti, right? Those are the voices that are going to matter the most. It certainly sounds that way. And, and their constituents. The th- Sorry. The more I think about it uh, this morning, I, I don't know that it's the worst idea to just have the one transfer portal window. You said, could this could this work? And I guess I'm sort of led to believe that it, it wouldn't just because you right. get this great pushback against it from players. And yet, you know, really, why not? Why not just after – the collective school year ends nationally, one month-long transfer portal window, and we all move on from that. Why couldn't that work? Uh, that's what I'm in- – where is the unintended consequence, right? Where is the unintended consequence? You know, it, there's got to be something in there, Josh, that we're not thinking of that ends up being a problem. Like, i got to be honest with you, and we talk about this a lot. I mean, I kind of in- inevitably thought, like, NIL would work towards some sort of pay-for-play for pay model. But I also I, – I never thought of collectives. I never thought that would be a thing. And are they good? Well, in some instances, yeah. In others, when they're abused, absolutely not. But I wonder what's the unintended consequence here of only having one portal window. And then, I mean – You know, everyone's got to agree on it, Josh, because if one school doesn't, then they're going to go fight it in court and you're going to win every time. Because if there is one thing that we've learned, none of these are going to stand up in court. None of these, what's the best way to put it, rules, um, windows, understandings, you got to make sure everyone's pretty much on board, right? Because you don't want to end up having what we have right now, which is every single 
Every single rule enforcement is fought in court, and every single time the NCAA loses. And I don't even know yeah, if it's they don't the NCAA. Win in court. Yeah, no, and I don't even know if the NCAA would be the people in charge of governing this, right? We don't even know what that would look like. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. You, you really need that consensus because uh, right. if, if everybody's not on the same page, yeah, you, you get it to court, and uh, NCAA is not winning there. All right, coming up at 10 a.m., uh, we've got some new – wait, hold on a second. I look at my clock, and it says 7.47 a.m. i got to get my mind right, Josh. Coming up at 10 a.m., we're going to hear about the newest addition to the Oklahoma Sooner football staff. We've also – I loved what John Williams brought up in the Locked On Sooners podcast with you last night. We've entered gassing up Texas season. Um, but as the texts continue to roll at 405-651-3439 – that's a heck of a start to the second half of the season for the Thunder last night. That's a heck of a start. Let's dive into a little bit of it next right here on The Plank Show. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. All right, welcome back into The Plank Show. <laughs> With Josh on Plank. I'm on the road in Palm Springs. Josh is on the road at Riverwind Casino. Connor Pasby, he's gassing us up back in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. And what a start to the second half of the season for the Oklahoma City Thunder last night, huh? That's, That's a pretty nice solid. win over the Clippers. I um, Big time win. I don't, well, here's, okay, let's talk about the controversy leading up. Did you Did you get into many of Doc Rivers' comments yesterday? His uh, response to, I guess, JJ Redick. The, the no, 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 the Shea Gilgis Alexander stuff. No, what did he the, say? Okay, so basically, <laughs> basically Doc Rivers, and I don't know where this was. I don't know what 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 he was, who he was talking to, but he he basically said he tried to talk Kawhi Leonard out of you know wanting to move on from Shea Gilgis Alexander, which again. If, if there is anything, and I do mean anything, Josh, that shows you how NBA players have too much power, it's the fact that Kawhi wanted to be paired with Paul George so badly that Doc Rivers is like, ah, I wanted him to I, – I saw it in Shea Gilgis Alexander. From I'm starting to kind of think Doc Rivers might be a bit of a snake oil salesman, if you know what I'm thinking. Because now suddenly you're coming out and in the last – what are we talking about, th- three, four years – since we've seen Shea emerge as a rising star, you never thought to bring this up once until now. <laughs> it's like if, if <laughs> it I would have been the, right, if I would have been the person in that Clippers front office that, that would have said, "Hey, I don't think we should move on from Shea Gilgis Alexander. I know you want Paul George, and I'm sure it would work. But let me tell you something, Kawhi. We got an up and coming star. He's going to be great. I see it." Uh, you need to – we just need to chill on this. I would have been – and if, if if everyone's like, no, you wouldn't because you wouldn't want to get in trouble or you wouldn't want to do this or you wouldn't get, uh, you know, Kawhi mad at you. Okay, maybe I wouldn't, but I sure as hell would leak it to everyone. I'm like, hey, Loj, you know who really wanted to keep SGA around? It's me, Doc Rivers. Um, but I found that to be fascinating. <laughs> it led to a very hilarious series of things that – Doc Rivers knew, but didn't really tell that many people about, which I found hilarious. But take us to modern day, 129-107. 
I mean, that was – there was never a doubt last night, right? There was never a time in that game where you're like, I don't know. I don't know. They cut it to 16 one time with about 10 minutes to go or uh, eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and you thought, oh, all right, maybe we'll get a game down the stretch. No. Every single player but one on the Thunder were in the positive, in the plus minus. And the only who wasn't was Gordon Hayward, who played, what, 14 minutes? Uh, I think he's going to fit in fine, but, you know, you want to you wanna make statements to start the second half of a season or the quote-unquote second half of the season. That's the way you do it. And, you know, that's the, what, the fourth meeting between the two teams this year. And the Thunder have won three of those four, and that couldn't end up being a team that you see in the second round of the playoffs. I love it. Well, and that's – that's a team in the Clippers that a lot of people think might win the West. So right. uh, people are really high on them right now. I'm trying to populate what their odds are via FanDuel Sportsbook, but they're way up there in terms of NBA Finals odds the, the Clippers are. They're one of the favorites there. So it's a big-time win. Uh, the Doc Rivers stuff, too, <laughs> to throw Kawhi under the bus is pretty crazy. I know. It was hilarious, uh, and it's kind of it's kind of funny. I, I, I just I looked it up because I wanted to make sure I had the proper quote. And the two things that populated when I googled Doc Rivers on SGA, Doc Rivers questioned Shea Gilgis Alexander trade to Thunder. Are you sure? Uh, and then sports. <laughs> I don't. I'm not real familiar with sports, Kita. But they said a LeBron tier of lying <laughs> for Doc Rivers. <laughs> LeBron tier. Five to one, by the way, Clippers uh, odds for the finals. I, I know it was the first game of the regular season. I feel like I've watched. I feel like the Clippers have kind of been crammed down our throat a little bit this year. Ow. I mean, and I know they're they're good. I know they're 18 games over 500, and they're sitting right behind the Thunder, but – I don't know about you, Josh. I don't know if I see that in them. I really don't. Boston plus two thirty, Denver plus four forty. Again, Clippers five to one. Milwaukee plus six fifty. Phoenix plus fourteen hundred. The Knicks plus twenty one hundred, and uh, OKC back at twenty five to one. Huh. Unreal. All right, quick break. When we come back, we got some football talk coming up right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.